0: It's Wednesday, February 15th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The World Baseball Classic begins on March 7th, when Cuba takes on the Netherlands, and the game will restart baseball's efforts to grow and connect overseas. In 2005, the International Olympic Committee announced that baseball would not be part of the Olympics, Very quickly, people began organizing an international baseball tournament where players from around the globe could represent their country. The first WBC was in 2006, won by Japan. It also happened in 2009, Japan repeated. 2013, won by the Dominican Republic. And the U.S. got its first win in 2017. It was supposed to happen in 2021, but that obviously got canceled due to the pandemic. MLB has made 15 international trips since 1996, and things seem to be ramping up in 2019 when there were series in Mexico, Japan, and the UK. And then the pandemic happened, and that shut down international trips for three years. So this World Baseball Classic is not just the next iteration of the sport's biggest international event, it is a key moment as the sport seeks to grow in Asia, in Central and South America, and even in Europe. I attended a Zoom press conference with Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, and JT Realmuto, all of whom will be playing for Team USA. And I asked about what this tournament will mean for MLB's overseas growth. The first voice I will hear is Schwarber's.
1: It's going to be great, you know, that, you know, I felt like the last WBC, everyone kind of remembers the Adam Jones robbing a home run and uh, in a big spot, things like that, you know, so hopefully there's going to be some more cool, cool moments to remember and, um, you know, a lot of fans will wanna turn in and watch this. Now, a prerequisite
0: for making the WBC something that fans get really excited about is having top-quality MLB players in the game, and that means having buy-in from MLB teams. This comes up with the NHL around basically every Winter Olympics. It's always in the middle of the NHL season, and there's this tension where a lot of players wanna represent their countries, and obviously it's a great event for growing the game, but there's also a high likelihood that at least one team is going to lose a key player for their playoff push. With MLB, the conversation has been more about players, especially pitchers, ramping up to full exertion without the normal spring training period. So here's JT Realmuto speaking to that issue.
1: I think just kind of continue on the trajectory we're on now. You know, I mean, more players are getting more and more interested in it um, across all countries. I think teams are getting more and more willing to let their guys play for it and, and their pitchers come out and pitch, you know, because there's always that risk. I know a lot of major league teams have, have a lot of, you know, they're scared of the, the injury risk and their pitchers getting hurt and stuff like that. But I think as time goes on and, and people see how much fun it is, more and more guys are going to be willing to put themselves out there for their countries and and play in these, in these meaningful games early in the season.
0: This year's WBC will happen in Taiwan, Tokyo, Phoenix, and Miami, with the quarterfinals in Tokyo and Miami and then the semifinals and finals also in Miami. And they scheduled it so that North, Central, and South American teams will not have to leave the US. But one thing that came out from all these guys is that they want to travel. They want to play in front of fan bases in different countries because they've all done it and all had a great time. I asked them where they would like to play overseas and you'll hear Trey Turner first, followed by Schwarber, then Real Muto.
1: I thought Japan was awesome. Japan was really fun. They had some really cool stadiums. Yeah, Japan was cool. Um, I played in in Japan as well with the the MLB All-Star series that we had over there. and That was probably some of the most fun I've ever had playing baseball, Uh, just Their fans are so energetic. They're so into the game from pitch one. They're having so much fun with it. Um, So that would be cool. Also, you know, somewhere like Puerto Rico, one of those Latin countries that kind of, their fans are the same way. They're dancing the whole game. They're having fun with it. You can just tell their passion for baseball.
0: The WBC should be a lot of fun. I think the favorites have to be the U.S., Dominican Republic, and Japan. But there are a lot of good teams. Don't sleep on Mexico, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Korea. Don't be surprised if any of them make some noise. Let's take a look at what else is happening. NBC hasn't broadcast an NBA game in over two decades, but now they want back in. The NBA's current media deals expire in 2025, and the league is likely to seek $50 to $75 billion over nine years. Skating over to Ottawa, Ryan Reynolds is serious about buying the Senators, and he's teaming up with Toronto-based real estate developer The Remington Group. As part of their proposal, they are pledging to build a new arena near downtown Ottawa. We have viewership numbers from the Super Bowl. 113 million viewers watched the game. Advertisers ponied up $7 million per 30-second spot, but the company that did the best in getting their brand out there was Nike, who had their brand visible for around 18 minutes of the big game. For our next segment, if someone tells you they're watching football this weekend, they didn't necessarily forget that the Super Bowl already happened. People had to wait two weeks for the Super Bowl, but the XFL has been in a holding pattern for two years. The Spring Football League is making its comeback after its 2020 reboot got shut down after a few weeks due to the pandemic. I spoke with XFL president and CEO Russ Brandon on how they got to this moment. We'll have that conversation right after this. 2000, 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com frontoffice. All right, I'm joined today by President and CEO of the XFL, Russ Brandon. Russ, thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, and thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: So just to to acclimate our listeners, if they haven't heard of the XFL or they don't quite know what it is, what is the XFL?
2: We're football, man. Uh, looking forward to uh, kicking off here this week. i uh, been building this for about two and a half years. Um, it's spring version of football that um, there's been previous iterations of it, and people have seen spring leagues for off and on for many years. But um, we've been spending a great deal of time the last two and a half years putting this lead together, um, have great people surrounding it, great ownership, and um, look forward to kicking off here on February 18th. Our first game is uh, – down here in Arlington, the Arlington Red against versus the Las Vegas Vipers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah, I do want to get into this, the story of the last couple of years because the league launched in 2020, which as we know is, you know, turned out to be not, not fortunate timing um, and went for, what was it, five weeks or so before having to shut down as everyone did for COVID. Um, so what's been going on for the last two years?
2: Well, and to your point, um, they had a good, you know, I wasn't a part of XFL, as we call it internally, 2.0, but they did a very good job in their launch. Um, to your point, very difficult time for everyone in society. And and the, the XFL went into bankruptcy and was picked up by um, uh, Redbird Capital, along with Dwayne Johnson and our chairwoman, Danny Garcia. And what we've been doing the last two years has been very methodically, very disciplined, structured, building this. Um, over the last two years. So we've had tons of milestones everywhere from our relationship with the NFL that was announced a year ago today to our partnership with Disney and their family and networks to having seven showcases all over the country from McKinley High School in Hawaii all the way to Jackson State University and uh, in the HBCU world. Um, We've seen over 1,500 players. In showcases. We've done reports on close to 6,000 players. Had our draft in November, drafted uh, over 550 players, uh, 65% of them with NFL pedigree, and have rebranded new uniforms, new look for our league, and uh, have a centralized hub here down in Arlington, Texas, where all eight teams are practicing year round uh, during the season and launching off into their markets. So to your point, there's been a lot going on over the last two years in building this. Um, yeah, obviously, the crescendo for us is seeing the ball go in the air on on Saturday and Sunday of this week. And, and, you know, bottom line is, oh, we're building this for long-term sustainable success. And we have great ownership up top, but also uh, great people that we've been allowed to surround this with um, on the football and executive side.
0: And... One thing that I find exciting about all this is that you've got some some fun rules in the XFL. You know, it's football, but, um, but there's some wrinkles that you can bring in because it's, it's not the NFL. It's not, you know, decades of history to, to contend with. You can have a little fun with it. So um, let's start with the, uh, the extra points rule. How does that work?
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, we, we like to say we're a league of innovation, but we are not a league of gimmicks. Um, so when we look at it, how do we advance the game of football? To your point earlier, we're, we have, we're an incubator, if you will, uh, for looking at different proofs of concepts that may uh, be enticing to the fan base and, and, um, and looking at things in a, through a different lens, candidly. Um, so you mentioned the extra point. You know, we're, we've taken the foot out of the game on that particular play, and we will have a three, two, and one point system. So it really changes the mathematics when it comes to uh, being in the game or out of the game at certain points. And you can be quickly back in the game with uh, two, three point plays um, after if you're down 18 or, and so there's, there's a lot of different formulas that we've looked at. We we've changed the kickoff rule to bring the foot back in the game where we really wanted to have returns. um, It's one of the most exciting plays in football. Um, If you see, Many times when you're watching a, a football game now, you, the ball goes out of the end zone, everyone starts and goes from there. Um, in 2.0, we we brought this rule in and they had 97% returns. And it's a safer play by the way that we engage the uh, the athletes in the kickoff game. We're very fortunate, Owen, to have Dean Blandino, who's the really the czar of rules and officiating and ran the NFL for uh, many, many years in that capacity, overseeing this for us. And, uh, we'll continue to review and tweak as we go. Um, but that's a a big area of innovation for us.
0: Yeah. And actually if I could get the specifics on the kickoff thing, I was trying to understand this and yeah, because I think the reason you don't see returns anymore is the NFL adjusted the rules because it is a dangerous play in the NFL. So how does it work for you?
2: Yeah. Once the ball goes in the air, um, you see both the kickoff return and in the kickoff team, engage 10 yards apart from each other and once the ball is caught that's when they can start engaging so it makes for a much safer play there's not that 50 yard sprint of uh of athletes colliding and it's it's it brings the the kickoff back in the game um meaning the return element of it but we've really worked very hard to make it a safer play Got it.
0: And, uh, and my favorite, I think is the option in the fourth quarter for, it's like the, the alternative to the onside kick. So tell us about that one.
2: Yeah. To go fourth and 15, um, to, to, uh, again, another way for us to look at it. Um,
0: what yard line do you start at for that fourth and 15?
2: Uh, the 25 yard line.
0: Okay. So if you, if you miss, then the other team's got at least a field goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting, you know, from that aspect, um, you know, again, we're, we're toying with it. We're also looking at different ways to maybe bring the onside kick back in a different way as well. And this is the kind of things that we're working on. We we, we can be that incubator of, of opportunity. You know, sitting in league meetings my whole career in the NFL, there's a lot of great uh, discussions in those rooms about different elements that, you know, some of them have been adopted, some hit the cutting room floor. So we're looking at each and everything because we're not encumbered.
0: And so you've got a media relationship with Disney. You're going to have games on ABC and ESPN. Uh, how did those conversations go? Especially, you know, this—I mean, this league—it's technically not the um, a new league, but it's it's essentially a new league. So you kind of have to start from scratch in terms of building up a fan base. Um, so yeah, how did you bring in a name as big as Disney?
2: Yeah, you know, just a lot of relationships and. Uh, conversations for many years. Kevin LaForce, uh, who I mentioned earlier, uh, was very instrumental in, in putting that deal together. You know, to have all of our games in one location, uh, when you talk about the Disney family networks, oh, and when you think of ABC and ESPN and having all 43 game windows, those windows housed in one, one area for a constant promotional reach on top of our games is, is pretty powerful excited. They've been an incredible partner. They've leaned in uh, in in such a major way. Um, They're excited about it. There's different ways that, you know, we're looking to be to bring the game to the consumer. Um, And and again, much like we were just talking about with rules, you know, Dean Blandino and and Jay Rothman, our head of broadcast, will be in a command center for all 43 games. And Dean will be able to uh, be a part of each and every broadcast and speak to the officials on the field, provide transparency to the consumer on why these decisions are being made as well. So, yeah, they've been, ESPN has been amazing, uh, all the executive team and the talent, and we're very excited um, to have them as a partner, obviously.
0: Yeah. All right, very cool. Russ Brandon, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate you, and Thank you for having me. That will do it for this episode. The Super Bowl is over, but everything else is heating up. In addition to the World Baseball Classic and XFL, the NBA and NHL are kicking into high gear, and March Madness is right around the corner. Subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify to keep up with all that, and we'll see you tomorrow.